Hello and welcome to the Brand Explorer podcast. I'm your host, Dirk Belling, coming to you from Munich. These interviews explore the trails and passes people have taken to build successful brands in the cycling community. Listen to their lessons from their own personal experience. Enjoy the ride. Racing on the road since he was 10. Working his way up through the Australian national team, Jason became a professional cyclist who competed all around the globe. He raced and worked with some of the best in their field, gathering all the experience and growing his personality to succeed in his position as director of SRAM Racing today. Jason Phillips and his team are taking care of all SRAM road, tri and cyclocross athletes and their needs. From Fabian Cancellara to Jan Frodeno and Wout van Aert. With a skeptical but always open attitude, trying out new things first himself and dealing professionally with setbacks, Jason has been instrumental building the SRAM road brand for the past 13 years. We talk about the difference of bringing new technologies to male versus female pro race teams, the trends and innovations that have pushed bicycles to where they are today, and the big learnings he and the SRAM road team took from the pandemic. Right on. Jason, thank you for taking time. Two more days to Tour de France and you're relaxed at home. Yeah, thanks, Dirk, for uh, inviting me on the on the podcast. Really cool. Uh, yeah, the tour is um, winding up, and um, yeah, we've we've uh, we've been at the race already um, in several different um, several different uh, trips. So um, so yeah, it's sort of uh, the race is winding down now. So uh, no need to be there today. Uh, how has that first? Uh tour post-COVID been for, for SRAM? It's been uh, it's super successful. I mean, uh, we, we have two teams in the race, so there's, there's, there's you know, like it's less than uh, tw uh, 10% of, of all the, of all the uh, teams in the race, so uh, we still managed to pick up a, a stage win. And we have uh, Enrique Maas uh, from Movie Star in sixth overall. So uh, for us, it's a, uh, it's a, it's a, it's a super, nice, uh, super nice race so far. And everything else is working good, or is it? Is it also a, a intensive uh, tour for you guys with the material? It definitely started off that way with with all the uh, the crashes in the in the first few days, and um, but uh, that's sort of. I mean, it was quite extreme this year, but it's it's we sort of plan for the first uh, week to be a bit of a, a train wreck, um, crash wise. So um, so yeah, the teams are all stocked up with extra product of course uh for that exact um happening so and, uh, yeah and, and how many how many people are currently covering the tour for for SRAM road? so yeah so in europe we're a we're a four four man team here at, at at the races now so um basically we always at a race like the tour we'll be there before the start and through the first few days and then um there'll be um uh SRAM personnel there both rest days and um yeah uh, Paris at the end is normally a um a must do but um yes yeah, still we're we're uh, 
restricting our travel a fair bit in the due to the uh, the COVID situation. So uh, I doubt that we would be uh, we'll be heading to Paris on Sunday. Do you keep track of like uh, what number Tour de France this is for you? How many Tour de France have you? <laughs> Actually, I don't, I'm not really. Um, a numbers sort of guy like that but um you know when i think about it um it must be um the 13th time with sram now and then you know looking back so what what were your your highlights uh you know being with sram now for for 13 years i think uh you know when you look at the tour de france it um it's you know um it really wound up super fast for us from being you know um the absolute um new new guys on the on the block to within um two years we we already uh swept the the full gc podium with um alberto contador uh andy schleck and um and lance armstrong so we um we really tasted success at the tour de france super early um which I guess um, you know when I look back at that, it was you know it's it's sort of like unheard of, and we were definitely in the right time and the right place. Um, but as you go through uh, you know years with with less success, just through the way the you know the race transpires, you realize yeah the, the, the those incredible years are definitely to be appreciated when they happen for sure. You mentioned some some names that uh, um, are all not racing anymore. So you know you've you've worked with many uh, high level top athletes uh, over the years, and uh, um, so I'm coming and also leaving again. What are the athletes for you like? You know, were really instrumental in in bringing the SRAM Road brand up where it is today. Yeah, I think we've we've been uh, incredibly lucky to work with um, some amazing um, amazing athletes. You know, like uh, I mentioned, uh, Alberto Contador, who you know directly put us in a position where we were regularly winning grand tours, whether it was the tour several times, the Giro, the, the Vuelta and, um, and, um, and with, uh, Lance Armstrong, you know, he's a, uh, a very controversial, uh, figure of course, but, um, in the, the dealings with him, um, during his, you know, this was in the comeback time that we, that, that he was on, uh, riding on SRAM, And uh, he was always a uh, super professional athlete to deal with uh, from, from you know, the way he, um, you know, as a sponsored athlete, it was uh, pretty impressive. Um, I think, you know, other big highlights were definitely uh, Fabian Cancellara was um, such an iconic figure and won, won so many races on, on SRAM, you know, Tour of Flanders, Paris-Roubaix, multiple Uh, team, uh, time trial world championships olympic championships so uh, he was uh, a massive a massive one as was tom boonen um you know we we had uh, we won nearly every classic i think it was, uh, it was something like 2000 and it was 2012 he just dominated the whole sport and that was uh, that was another fantastic one and then right through to athletes uh, like Wout van art and um course on the triathlon side Jan Frodeno uh, is absolutely another iconic stream so yeah it sounds like uh, definitely intensive and, 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 and fun times you know with all the successes um, uh, racing and, and, and product innovation is, is goes hand in hand at SRAM 
um, you know, and what sounds and looks easy, you know, with, uh, with, uh, product launches, um, is something in the back that, that you and your team work hard on, you know, uh, bring us a little closer to like, you know, what, what the, you and the race team are involved in, in bringing new products, you know, maybe like just the latest, you know, the access, the, uh, to, to the market, right? Yeah. Yeah. So with the, the access group set, we, we really, um, we had a brand new way of launching the group set where the day it was launched, you could basically buy it on in the, in a bike shop or at the big uh, websites of the big bike dealers, whether it's Trek or, or specialized or Canyon. So we really um, changed the way uh, we launch product. And uh, I guess that will, that's changing the way a lot of companies launch product because there was no waiting time for the uh for the customer and um so that made it uh for us super super tough to keep that product secret of course beforehand and um but overall that uh was a was a massive success and uh and uh you know the group said is pretty groundbreaking 12 speed um wireless shifting um you know a uh, fluid clutch in the rear derailleur for chain security the the, the access app where you can um, basically pull up all your data on your for your ride you know how many times you shifted today how much uh, power you were putting out in every different gear how long you spent in every different gear keeping stuff secret these days with social media and everybody been having a, a camera and a photo in his uh, phone uh, how did you keep it secret or like what 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 does it take to really get all the Running going. Uh, well, we, we, I mean, of course, um, you know, the, the test riders and the athletes and everybody who was involved were all, you know, they, they all knew the story that, that, um, that, uh, what we wanted to do. And, um, you know, of course you, in that situation, we, we, we have a lot of NDAs, um, flying around and, um, also, you know, it's where the test riders are, you know, so you wouldn't, um, you, you're not looking for them to be in the middle of one of these, um, cycling hotbeds, you know, or so, um, so yeah, it's a long process to uh, really, um, set out a strategy there. And, um, we'd also been pretty successful in the previous, uh, ETAP 11 speed group set, uh, until we started racing at a high level. On that, we had um, done a lot of crazy stuff to uh, camouflage the group um, to make it look like it was a mechanical group, or to make it look like it had uh, wa- you know normal normal cables, wide electronic cables. So uh, I think we've learned a lot about um, uh, you know ca- trying to keep that stuff. What, what was the most funniest one that you guys were? Uh, definitely the um, on the ETAP group set the the fake. The fake cables were um, were that was the funniest thing for us actually. Looking at the you know the comments that were coming out in the media, you know they were discussing where you know we actually had a, a plastic box that we taped underneath the the head stems of the bikes that was completely empty, and uh, that thing was um, <laughs> it just it captured everybody's imagination, and uh, there was uh, so many. Uh, different theories about what that box was was doing and uh so it was um it was uh it was pretty cool mm-hmm. times for sure 
road cycling is, is comes from a very conservative right and and uh, and uh, a lot of rules and uh, a lot of things that have been done this way and are done this way uh, so for a company like SRAM with innovations and constant change um, that has been a, a definitely a, an eye-opener and you mentioned Cancelara these people or Contador but from your point of view like you know what what has been the success for for you your team and, and SRAM of like putting all these innovative changes on, on, on bikes, you know, because not everything goes well. Right. I mean, exactly. Yeah. You, 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 you learn a lot of stuff along the way. And I think, um, you know, we, of course, back, um, when we were working with 10 speed mechanical group sets, you know, the, the way you worked on the bike and, uh, what you could, what you could do to tune the system was a lot different compared to what you, can do today whereas you know today there's um there's no mechanical cables at all on the bike you know it's it's either wireless electronic or or um hydraulic um so we're working in a in a completely different different way now and so that was also you know there's been a lot of learning done um internally to make sure we're 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 on the on top of this uh, all these new technologies that we're that we're coming out with because uh we are definitely you know when you the contact to the the teams and the athletes and you really need to um to know your stuff because um they're they're looking for a lot more information than the regular bike rider who are the, the hardest to 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 deal with it i mean there's the riders the mechanics the team managers um, I think everybody brings a different sort of perspective to it, you know, like the mechanics, they're really interested in, um, you know, obviously less issues, which is every, everybody's interested in, but they're also interested in how we, you know, they can save time with, you know, with, with products, you know, and so, you know, uh, having no cables, you know, to, to thread through the inside of aerodynamic uh, bicycles is a, is a huge, huge gain for them. Then you have the riders who have a, you know, they have wishes about the feeling of the touch points of the of the product and how it actually feels to ride. And then you have the um, the the team directors who are, you know, they're looking for more aero, lighter at the same time, and uh, and zero failures. You know, so um, it's a pretty high bar actually with whoever you. Uh, whoever you talk to and then you know sometimes some things go wrong right i mean like you know how, how do you deal with these things i mean you i'm sure you personally have re experienced some of these you know like if i, if I remember by way back was cancelara you know yeah 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 i mean uh fabian cancelara he he broke his chain in the in the tour of flanders and uh um and that was a um Obviously, when that happened, it was a massive disaster. We just um, the, the Saxo Bank uh, team at that time we'd just taken it over mid-season, which was um, which was a really crazy thing. And uh, Fabian had been out uh, sick, and the uh, Tour of Flanders was actually his first race of the year. So he wasn't exactly in it to win it, but he was in it to finish it for sure. And uh, you know, in in the end, that was um, when you're the person at the race which which i was that day um you know you've really got to stand up and uh, take it on the chin pretty much and uh, i think um that's really the key um and um we managed to 
by the time we got to the Tour of Flanders the next year, um, you know, we had a, a, a totally new chain. Um, the, the riders and uh, especially Fabian were super confident about the, the, the product and the, um, the work we'd done to, to, um, you know, fix, fix the, the issue. And, um, and he won the race the next year on, on a SRAM chain. Um, so that was, uh, in the end, yeah, it was a painful day, but it, it turned into a great story. For, so from your experience, uh, is, is it sometimes for product development uh, more helpful to have a painful day instead of like, you know, oh yeah, moving along step by step with iterations? Um, I think the, the painful day is always something you want, <laughs> we're trying to avoid for sure. Um, you know, uh, it's definitely not the day I look forward to, but You know, you're racing at the absolute top level. These guys are riding their bikes in weather conditions and at speeds that normal people can't do. You know, it's a peloton of 200 riders. They, they're just running over every hole that's on the road because they can't really see what's coming. I mean, the bike is getting a workout that's maybe a hundred times um, more, um, you know, um, stressful on the whole system than, than a normal person's biggest bike ride that they'll ever do um so things can always happen um but i think yeah as you as the better we can test and the and the you know the the more extensively we can work with these top athletes the, right. the better you get at that stuff when's the last time you've seen a mechanic with a dremel tool going at at parts uh, yeah you know that's that's like i said before with back in the old days that was really um almost a daily a daily occurrence you know like uh, mechanics were um either dremeling something on the frame or on the you know uh, somewhere else on the bike and today that that's that's really uh, something that we we hardly ever see you know because the the group sets have come so far the um, the frames have come so far we rarely ever see uh, a frame that's out of spec or something like that, which, which was definitely possible to see 10 years ago or 12 years ago. Um, so, so yeah, the old Dremel is, uh, much less, uh, much less in use than, to be. than before. Now that everything is electronic and, and, uh, as you said, you know, no more cables here and, and installation is, has it made working on bikes also much quicker than it used to be? Absolutely, absolutely, and I think that um, you know, like it's also the the there's much less guesswork in the adjustment. You know, like on, if you with the access group set, you can look on the app and you can see the exact trim position that the rear derailleur is in. You know, and uh, so whereas back in the day with mechanical shifting, it was really uh, more of an artwork to to have that great feeling and and to get that system working and you could really feel it in your hand when you when you shift and now of course when you shift there's an instantaneous um, uh, movement from the from the derailleur and um, and it's much I'd say much simpler to for anybody to get it to work at a at a high level. If you see the the, the mechanics. Uh, sorry, the mechanical shifting, changing to electronics, and and you've been racing. Is it something you 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 have wished for? You know, like if you, you think back to your times. Absolutely. I mean, I think um, when we started to see um, you know our competitors um, coming, uh, you know, racing on on electronic 
um, group sets, uh, I think the first, my first, first initial thoughts were, do we really need that? Um, can that be, a, you know, a, a success as far as, you know, is this product going to last more than a few races? And, uh, and I really, um, my opinion really changed the first time I rode one of the um, original uh, prototypes for the uh, ETAP 11 speed group set and, uh, you know, uh, spent a few weeks on that and went back to my um, mechanical bike and immediately I realized ah, um, that electronics is definitely the future for uh, for bikes. So you said, you know, like you're, you're riding yourself. You used to be a pretty top-notch racer. Um so you still get to, to test all the product. You test all yourself uh, way before or with the athletes. Is that part? Yeah, I mean, uh, it depends on on the on the schedules of the product. But um, yeah, I'm on the test uh, our test program for sure, and um, I do get to you know it's a pretty privileged position that I you know um, I've got some definitely some uh, nice bikes to ride with some cutting edge equipment on them, and that's definitely a, a perk of the job and it's something i really enjoy is um is to be able to to ride be one of the first people to ride this stuff and uh, but i also think it's it's pretty important because you need to have your own uh, opinion about it and, and a really good knowledge about the product um to be able to convey that to the to teams and the athletes so you've been we just mentioned beginning with ram now for for close to 13 years uh let's go back to like the the time before so like what you know um what were your jobs before you started uh working at SRAM what did you do well that yeah I was uh I was a bike racer and um I'd been I'd come uh you know my family was a it was a bike racing family my father owned a bike shop and my brothers were mad bike riders so i was uh, there was uh, no way around it actually <laughs> but um and then yeah i ended up uh coming through the uh, australian uh, institute of sport national team program ended up in germany uh, we had a german german coach at the time heiko salzwedel who's become one of the you know really prominent worldwide coaches i'd say And, um, yeah, and, uh, later on, I ended up, um, racing for, a, for a pro team in, in Germany. And, uh, and I've been here, uh, here ever since. And, uh, yeah, Germany has been, it's, you know, just, uh, it's funny the way things happen, you know, like whether it was, uh, the, with Heiko or with, um, with my first, uh, pro team or with SRAM, it's all been, uh, pretty german uh german based so it's uh, what what yeah. uh what what level racing did, did you do when you were on the roads actually i did uh, every single level basically um uh, you know back back in with the national team of course back then we weren't under 23s we were we were amateurs and then uh, when i when i turned pro it was a, a second division team which would be now a, a, a Uh, professional team um i also spent a couple of years in uh, team coast which was um you know uh, what, what we call today a, a world team or a world tour team and uh at the end of my career i also rode for some smaller um, third category continental teams so actually i got a good view of every level of the of the organization and the, and every level of the peloton 
which really uh, helped later on um, when I started working for SRAM to get a good idea of what was going on in these teams and how we could help them. So what, what were your, your racing career highlights, you know, like as a, as a racer for you? Um, I think I, I was um, kind of an all-rounder. You know, I, I was um, maybe my, my strongest sort of area was in, um, you know, harder one-day races, hillier one-day races where I was never the best overall climber or the best time trialer or definitely not the best sprinter, but I could do a little bit of everything, um, which is also kind of uh, in cycling that is, um, you know, the really big champions, um, you know, like uh, have at least one thing where that, that they can do better than almost everybody. Um, and some guys like, you know, you see it now, uh, Tadai Pogacar in the, in the, uh, in the tour, he can do pretty much everything better than everybody. And that's, that's the next level again. So, so uh, while I was, um, I was in there, I was not, uh, you know, a guy winning 10 or 15 races every year, but so if I could win a couple of races a year, that was already. Uh, and and what, what champions did you race with? Oh, I mean, uh, uh, if a lot of a lot of riders. I mean, uh, when coming up through the through the national team, we 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 were often racing with Lance and George Hincapi and stuff like that when they were in the in the in the national team. And um, you know, guys like um, did you race with Cavendish? Cavendish would have been coming through sort of at the same time as I was finishing, but he did race. One year in Germany, um, it might have been the last year I raced with. So we would definitely have raced with each other, but I don't have really uh, recognition of talking to him at, at, at that time. Um, but um, but yeah, a lot of a lot of riders right through the you know, I was lucky enough to have some uh, teammates that were super big uh, names like Alex Zula at Team Coast and, um, you know, a lot of great friends that were big champions like uh, Robbie McEwen and, um, and and people like that. So, yeah, it's definitely been a great journey. So what, what you know, so you've been, you've been racing for, for most of your career and uh, work life. What is it that you say that that's what I learned that now helps me a lot in my, my SRAM yeah. work world? I think um, what you're, as a pro athlete, I guess it's, it doesn't matter if you're a cyclist or whatever you are, you realize pretty quickly that it's, it's up to you to do the work. Um, and in pro sports, it's uh, pretty cutthroat. If you're not doing the work, then uh, you, you're pretty quickly out of a job. So um, you definitely see that um, a lot of, a lot of well, the majority of these riders that are vast majority that are succeeding, they have this, work ethic that's sort of driven um, by they love what they're doing for sure but they want to succeed and they, and they don't want to fail so I think that really set me up uh, well um, in this job because um, you know it's def that's definitely the way I feel about the work as uh, the same as I did about um, racing my bike um, so I think that's that's probably the main thing yeah yeah I can definitely confirm that that you've been always a A very hard-working all-rounder, <laughs> <Thank you. laughs> which uh, all these athletes uh, appreciate. 
So over the years, you know, next to, to SRAM, then, you know, like Zip came along, you know, wheels and uh, with all the wheels and more stems and bars and seat posts. And so like your, your basket, you know, your sales basket there grows and grows. And like uh, how complicated is today with all the different parts and pieces for you guys to, to really uh, embrace uh, a sponsorship? Yeah, we, we definitely, um, you know, uh, when I started, we were, it was really group sets. Um, and then, um, you know, as, um, power meters came along as, um, as, as, uh, you know, I think, um, pretty much zip, zip, um, came, uh, on board with SRAM right as I started actually with SRAM. So we sort of, uh, you know, I've had my, the whole history of that I've had with SRAM has been with zip as well. Um, but these also with, with these, you've got all these different brands now with, with Quark as well, of course, and now, um, this year, uh, time pedals is the next one that's come on board. So we've got more and more to where we 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 can actually set up a whole bike with 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 SRAM equipment, and uh, and all this stuff is evolving, you know, on a on a regular product cycle. So so um, you know, just as you get to to learn how to uh, how to operate the, the the today's system, the new ones are just around the corner. So it's a, it's an ongoing learning process i'd say so you're not you're not responsible for global uh, sram road uh, sponsorship and yeah um activities uh, how big is your team globally um we we're we're actually a pretty small team like um uh, five people uh, in total that are you know tech technically focused at bike races in, including myself um plus we have of course um you know a huge amount of help from uh, logistics people to sh- shipping all the product for us and and um, you know product teams engineers quality teams uh, keeping everything um, you know designing and keeping everything uh, and, and those working. five people are, are spread over over yep. the US yep. and Europe and, and also Australia or just uh, just the US and and Europe so uh, we have uh, Anna Gritas uh, looking after uh, our Chicago. HQ at the moment, um, and she's um, you know the tech consultant for all of our US and Australian programs. Uh, and then um, Torsten Wilhelm's Carlo Anselin and Sam Watts here in uh, in Europe, who are you know working day to day with the big teams like Trek Siegfried and Movie Star. And um, and um, at the moment, that's a uh, it's a really good balance we have actually between uh, the amount of teams we have and the amount of staff. Is, is anyone going to the crazy uh, Jan Fordino race weekend? Actually, yeah, Torsten. Torsten is uh, he's there right right now. So. What, what, what do you think about this? You know, like that triathletes are now starting to put on their own races. You know, instead of like. What is, what what changes that? Huh? Well, I think um, when you've got an athlete like Jan Fordino, he's he's just been groundbreaking in so many ways you know from you know olympic champion to uh, you know multiple kona champion 70.3 world champion you know he already last year he did his own uh, iron man uh, basically in his in his own house and um uh, you know to um, to raise money in the during covid and um and i think this is just the next the next um step there and it's uh it's a pretty cool concept it's you know like the the rumble in the jungle or something where you're going to get these two guys uh, go head to head try and break the world record um and uh yeah 
look really looking forward to watching. When's the first time you started working with Jan? Yeah, yeah I mean, uh, it was um, it was a pretty crazy acceleration, actually, um, with him. I remember, uh, um, you know, back in the time when 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 you were with SRAM, you said, "Hey, we've got to we've got to get this uh, we've got to get this guy," and because um, you'd met him, you'd met him on a bike ride, I believe, and um, yeah. and. Uh, so we we sponsored him, and uh, the first time I I met him was shortly before the Beijing Beijing Olympics. I went to uh, went to the race in Hamburg to uh, you know get his bike ready for for the Olympics because uh, Beijing was wasn't really possible for us to uh, actually be there on site in those times. And um, and yeah, like uh, ten days later, he was uh, Olympic champion, and uh, I think that um, uh, we. I mean, we knew he was a he was a good athlete, but I don't think we really expected in our wildest dreams that he was going to, uh, you know, uh, have his first huge win would be that race. And uh, yeah, of course, uh, history shows that it wasn't his last big win, and uh, I'm sure he's going to have some uh, some more big ones. Did you have uh, experience with triathlon before, or was it? Oh, I. I, I... I had done a few myself and, and, um, you know, where I had previously lived on the Gold Coast in Australia, we, we definitely, um, it's, it's a hotbed of triathlon. So I'd always trained with a lot of, a lot of triathletes, um, you know, also world champions, um, back in the day, like Miles Stewart and, uh, Chris McCormack and guys like that. I, I knew them pretty well. Yeah, and so how how would you compare this? Like, you know, like what's what's the difference working with with triathletes or is this uh, pro road teams? It's it's interesting that a racer, a racer. Yeah, the the a triathlete is he's really they're really on their own, you know, and so in a lot of ways, um, of course, it's less product, but it's the same as working with with a triathlete like that as it is working with a whole team, because um, because they you know they need. They need uh, service at the races. They need, um, you know, you have to, you have, we have to set up their bikes with the right product and stuff like that. So if you want to look after these uh, athletes properly, um, it's really, um, it's not much different than, than working with a team because they actually need more mechanical support. They don't have their own mechanics most of the time and, and stuff like that. And at races, it's really up to that, to us to make sure that uh, their bikes are, uh, ready to go on on race day you're looking forward to your next kona trip um yeah i mean uh i've been to kona every year for for a lot of years now and um it's been uh the majority of of uh kona trips have been very successful for us you know whether it's been jan or sebastian keenler of course uh, marinda carfrey has uh, won the race for us three times as well um but also we've had years where we've won nothing so uh, it's one of those places where you can be super confident and um the the day is just uh, turned on its head um because uh, it's when you're when you're on the race course there you just it's mind boggling that these athletes can actually do an ironman in those conditions um the you step out of sight of the air conditioned uh, car and uh, within a minute, you you you're absolutely cooked. So it's a it's a it's a fantastic event. Is it, it is also like a how much of a challenge is that for for electronic shifting, heat and cold? 
was it in the beginning? Um, not really. I mean, um, we don't really, of course, water is always the biggest uh, enemy of any bike part, whether it's electronics or bearings or, or anything. And there's not too much of that most of the time in, in Kona. So it's um, Kona is a race that's very challenging for, for tyres because the you know the, the highways are basically made out of the lava i guess and uh if if their stones get on the road they're, they're super sharp and they just they just shred uh high performance race tires so it's really a um that's the one thing that we're really worried about in kona is uh is the tires um you know not getting a puncture is is, is really one of the biggest parts of the race look at look at uh Today's uh, SRAM webpage, right, with, uh, with all the new cool product and everything, there's barely any racers visible anymore. Like, you know, it's all these great looking people in very exciting, exotic locations, having great times on bikes. SRAM being known for all these launches uh, and, and, and exciting stories. How much is racing playing a part of, of, the, of that launching game today? I think, I think it really depends on what the product we're launching you know, so this year we, we launched the um, the rival access group set, so which is so it's the third tier of our of our access road group sets, and um, and uh, it's some it's a group it's pretty groundbreaking as far as taking wireless electronic shifting down to down to a, a price that everybody can hopefully hopefully afford. And um, but it's less of a racing group set than uh, than a group set for every everybody out there so definitely this year we we've had less focus on um uh, promoting um the grid the red group set which is really where we we concentrate our our, our racing um uh, activities um but i'm sure you know uh, obviously uh, as we go as we go further that you know the the race focus will definitely increase again and uh, if you look on you know over the various social media platforms, we're definitely still promoting racing as much as we can, and uh, all of our race teams are, are highly linked to our partners in, in in the industry. Whether it's you know Trek Siegfriedo or you know uh, Movie Star Team Riding Canyon, so we're always the, the promotion definitely goes on the whole time. So you mentioned Vout. Fanard uh, is one of the, the the racers as a highlight you worked with who used to race on SRAM for for a while. And, yeah, and you guys made some really funny videos with him in Chicago. Yeah. So with him, there's also this new generation of of racers who turn everything upside down, like the the Vouts, the Mathieu van der Poels, the uh, the current yellow jersey yeah. in the Tour. How do you experience this? You know, like the this new generation taking over racing, and the old guys just uh, mind boggling. I'm not understanding what's going on anymore. Yeah, and it's um, it's the the Wout was really you know he was I think Wout and Vanderpol especially they were the two first ones that really um, stood out as these young guys that could still spend the next years in the under twenty threes were already winning the pro world uh, cyclocross world championship you know and um, and um, but with you know working super close with Wout what 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 was really obvious was he wasn't just he wasn't just a great bike rider he was he was already uh you know with eight, you know 18 years old he was already a fully developed pro bike rider from his you know his attitude how professional he was 
um, the feedback he could give us on on product and you know uh, if something you know we did a lot of ETAP 11 speed testing with with Wout and if something went wrong how professional he was in those days and uh, and that was uh, it was pretty mind blowing um, you know how how he had already at that age he he already had you know good coaches for a long time he you know he had a super solid family uh, supporting him and um and he was like yeah you could tell he was he was almost the perfect bike rider um even before he'd um uh, raced uh, as a pro on the road speaking of of uh, you know the the, the backup system uh, like the coaches the families and everything it's like is that something that then you you know if you look back to your time it's like oh i wish i had this <laughs> yeah i mean definitely it's it's uh it's a totally different um ballpark you know in uh, ballpark now like you know i was one of the, an early not the first but an early generation of aussies uh trying to race in in europe and um you know nobody really knew who we were whereas for the young aussies now it's a bit the opposite problem is that um there's so many um talented young aussies that the the competition is is high for them to to actually be the aussie that gets into into the team um whereas whereas back in my day nobody knew who we were and we were you know a bit of a novelty maybe um so um in the end uh, it, it it just took a long a lot longer to get into the into the pro racing which which always um means that you you know you don't get as far in the end but um i think it's it's a totally different ballpark but i wouldn't say that it's in any in any way that it's easier now to get a pro contract just because um there are more kids racing at that level that can do it and there's a lot of them that don't make it what what races or what countries were your favorite to go to to race to um i mean as a as an australian it was always if i could go to a, an english speaking country it was always you, you you it just made it in some way a lot more relaxing but um you know so the uk um uh, i raced the, the the british milk race a few times there which was a was a super cool two week tour um or racing in america um which which was always uh great it never really suited me uh, as a as a bike rider but um but um but always always enjoyed it um but I was, I was lucky enough i've raced in so many countries like japan and uh you know i don't know yeah islands pacific islands like new caledonia or or you know pretty much every country in europe so there was always uh always places where um the racing suits you more or or way less but um but yeah it's 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 always a great experience so um since a few years now uh, uh gravel is on the on the screen and uh mon Popover is racing and uh and and bikes are there all over the place where where's your personal uh touch point with gravel yeah i mean we we definitely um Gravel is a massive, massive thing for SRAM. You know, we, we, we're definitely designing products specifically for gravel uh, that, you know, in our, in our current group set now, you know, whether it's one by one by um, chain rings or the, the, the way you can, you can mix the road group with the, with the mountain bike group, you know, the, the mullet 
um, set up, which is the, you know, the road shifters with the mountain bike rear derailleur and 1050 cassette is super, super successful in the, in the gravel scene. And, uh, actually having been to a few events, I really, um, I really love the whole community, uh, feeling at the gravel races. It's, I mean, obviously it's a totally different atmosphere there as at, a, as at the Tour de France or, a, or a Belgian classic, but, um, you just have, and I think the great thing is that, you know, we sponsor, for instance, uh, Ted King is probably the premier gravel rider, you know, in, in the world. And, uh, he stands on the start line with, um, you and me, you know, like, uh, and, uh, after the race, he's not whisked away in a, in a team bus. He stands around and talks to everybody and, uh, has a beer after the race. And I think that's the really cool thing about gravel is that it's, um, it's, not just about performance it's about this community and getting out and riding bikes uh it, it takes people off the roads you know so they're not they're not scared of um you know obviously traffic uh, issues and stuff like that so uh, yeah, i'm a big fan of gravel and uh um i'm really uh, uh you know i have a gravel bike and uh, and i and i love riding it as well so, i mean there's always been like you know the the people who've been mixing and matching and trying to, to make things work that shouldn't work together. But uh, do you think gravel would have been possible like uh, 10 years ago? Anyway? I guess um, it would have been possible, but it obviously it wouldn't have been as good. I mean, the, the gear range today is, is phenomenal, you know, with the, right. with the 10, 1050 cassette, we've got a 500% gear, gear, gear range. So that's really, um, it's really something that that's that was not possible in the past and that that really gives you the opportunity to to be able to ride in places where where you would have been pushing your bike uphill before and um so i think that it's it's got part of the popularity of gravel racing is also because the the equipment has got so much better um you know also on the wheel side the carbon wider carbon wheels with tubeless you know, 40, 50 millimeter tires that just totally change your uh, whole ride feeling. It's a, uh, it's, it's, it's just a different thing today to ride on the gravel as it was. Uh, so, so from all these, uh, these great innovations that happened over the past, uh, whatever, five to 10 years, which, which ones are for you the most, most important ones that, that really pushed cycling and especially road cycling, uh, or some to see, uh, forward. Yeah, I think the originally, you know, back in the day, lightweight was 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 everything. But then um, we sort of saw, um, you know, from two thousand and eight, two thousand and nine onwards, that aerodynamics started to take a, a huge, um, a huge role in, especially on the road side and the triathlon side also, um, where that um, you know people were in looking for saving watts you know like wherever they could whether it was on the wheels on the on the frame the the racing suits the guys have today the the you know how the tire um sits on the rim and adapts to the shape of the wheel um you know chain aero chain rings with no holes in them and and then from then it's from now it's really it's much more become the whole bike is is optimized where now the bike also uh, is much more comfortable the aero bikes are 
you know, uh, down, getting down to the, um, to the UCI weight limit of 6.8 kilos and, um, and the aero wheels are also super comfortable to ride and you can ride them in any condition, whether it's wind and, uh, whatever it is. So I think the bike has just, it's stopped. We're seeing less bikes that are just aimed at being aero or aimed at being light, and we're seeing more bikes that can do everything. So more an all-rounder bike that has a higher level of, of, of everything? Yeah, yeah, and I think the gravel bikes are a great, uh, a great idea, a great example, sorry, there is that you can put, uh, put a set of, um, you know, road racing wheels in the in a in a gravel bike today and um and and you can ride in any group ride because uh, the bike can can absolutely do it it's not like uh it's not a a mountain bike with drop bars or something like that it's 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 a it's really a, a top flight road bike one thing we, we haven't touched but which is uh all visible now um it's is, is disc brakes you know that uh that was uh, was definitely a big one And you've been part of this change. Um, now we just saw, I think I heard, I saw uh, that uh, UAE uh, just uh, switched to, to rim brakes just for the, for the mountains. So, uh, so there's still the, some people who are looking for the super lightweight. Absolutely. Um, the, definitely in, you know, in that, when, when you're racing in the Pyrenees, some of these climbs are 25 kilometers long and, you know, with averaging 10%. And, and uh, so they're, That's where every gram really counts on the weight side, and you, you definitely decisions like that are based on one thing, which is how much the bike weighs. And um, if these teams can't get down to this six point eight kilo, they start to um, look at how they can how they can make that happen. Um, so uh, you can see um, with um, Trek Siegfriedo or, or Movie Star. Um, the bikes are 6.8 kilos, um, and, um, and, uh, they, they don't need to make that sort of massive change. But, um, but you see, um, with, um, other teams that they, they, they can't get the, the disc brake bike to that weight, so, then they, they make that change. So, so there, it's definitely like a, a, a weight balance sheet that they open up and, and look at it in reference to the stages they're right. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's a huge, um, it's a huge adjustment to make for the riders, for the mechanics to, to, to accommodate those rim brake bikes back into the, into the team system is really difficult. You know, it, it, there's no guarantee that you, they can even hang them up in the truck or put them on the top of the car because everything's, uh, everything's changed over um, to disc on, on uh, virtually every team in the Peloton, except for uh, the Ineos Grenadiers. So, um, so it's a, it's a huge, it's a huge thing. So they don't, they don't take something like that lightly. I'd say it's a, it's a serious decision to make. You just mentioned when, when electronics came that, that you at the beginning have been skeptical as well. And then the first rides, uh, switched you over. How, how was it with disc brakes for you? Um, very similar. I would say, um, I, I, um, was never, um, a, a big mountain bike rider. So I, I sort of, I came into it, um, you know, pretty green, I'd say. Um, but I, um, especially as the, you know, way before we started racing on disc brakes, um, you know, as the, 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 the bikes themselves, the frame sets, 
and the you know the way the the, the brakes um, actually fit onto the you know the format of how the brakes fit onto the bike and and everything that was moving at such a, a rapid speed that um, it was pretty quick that you had um, you know in my opinion definitely um, disc brake bikes that were that anybody out on the road was riding that were far superior to what the guys were riding in at the Tour de France. So um, I really had some, you know, some 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 rides where one day I, I'd ride on a disc brake bike, the next day I'd ride on a on a rim brake bike. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, on, on a downhill I was, you know, fearing for my life on the, <laughs> on the rim brakes, you know, and it was, uh, it was a pretty easy decision um, once the product got to that level. But it, it wasn't that easy on the, on the pro peloton, right? I mean, there, like if you look back there, like you know, it was a a stage a stage process, right? More than just yeah, on, off. yeah. I mean, the the I think the road cycling scene in, in is is fairly conservative as far as massive changes like that go. And um, like I said before, just to be able to integrate disc brakes into into the team's system, you know, how do we hang this bike up in the truck? How do we put this bike on the, the roof of the of the support car that's driving behind the race, you know, and and, um, and then uh, how, you know, is there a safety, is there a safety issue here and, and, and all, all sorts of stuff like that. But, um, but I think, uh, yeah, at times it was a, it was a painful process and um, there was a lot of work, to be done for sure and, and being done with the teams behind the scenes and, um, you know, on the, on the, on the products and testing and, you know, turning up this race and, and having certain teams ride at, the, at certain races on disc brakes. Um, it was, it was a, it was a long process, but um, now I really believe that uh, um, there's not many guys riding if any, riding disc brakes now, who would want to go back to a rim brake bike if they didn't absolutely have to? And then, you know, that's with the, especially with Kenyan, like uh, uh, women racing also came came on strong and is part of SRAM. Are you going to, to women's races as well a lot or is it? Absolutely. Um, okay. We we definitely, it's part of our strategies for sure. We have um, as many women athletes as, as men male athletes um, actually, on the on the road side, we actually have more teams, uh, more women's teams than men's because uh, with with Trek Siegfriedo and Movie Star once again, they both have women's teams. So mm-hmm. we have this sort of uh, this sort of uh, program that's a dual program, but we also have Canyon Sram Racing and SD Works and um, Live Cycling, which are which are uh, you know straight up women's teams. So. Um, and we have m- many more as well in Australia. Rock Salt, um, Live, and um, and uh, all over the all over the place. We have we have women's teams, and it's it's really um, been great to see the development of women's cycling and just uh, how it is now compared to um, how it was ten or twelve years ago, and the the way the they're racing the the tactics the, the just the organization of the teams and uh, um, it's uh, it's pretty fantastic and and how much support they're starting to get from the industry in particular but also now from big sponsors uh, you know in, uh, non-endemic sponsors in terms of technical work and change like uh, working working with an athlete on on bringing new technologies what are your experiences there and differences between 
uh, female and, and male race teams? Um, definitely um, the women's teams are um, much more open to, to change um, because, of course, I think um, most of the new products um, definitely that we are designing today are also aimed um, to work well for women as, as, as they are for men. So a lot of this is ergonomics and, and everything. It's super tough, of course, to have an ergonomic you know, shift a hood that that is perfect for the guy, the guy with the biggest hand, and 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 um, whether it's a, a guy or or a female uh, racer with a small hand, it's super tough to to get something to to um, to work for everybody. But I think we've made huge gains there as far as that goes, and um, so we we really see that the, the women's teams are becoming uh, also with. With other technologies like tubeless, they they are in a lot of ways ahead of the men's teams, and um, um, it's really great to see. And the the teams are smaller, of course, they're more um, uh, agile in that way. That it's you know they 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 can adapt to changes in in product um, technologies uh, easier than the big men's teams who might have thirty riders mm-hmm. and. So uh, yeah, it's a, it's a, definitely a great one uh, on the women's, women's side. Do you and your, and your team also work with uh, with the ambassadors, or like with those influencers who SRAM has a, a big stable, as as you can see right now? We do. It's it's um, we're definitely supporting ambassadors all over the world. There's we as as uh, SRAM grows, we there's definitely more and more people whose actual job is to to look after ambassadors but um you know for instance at a, at a gravel race uh if we are there for tech support um we're supporting our pro athletes and our ambassadors and and uh it's not really a difference in our mind there um you know at the un- unbound gravel um uh, a month ago or so definitely that was that was the case where anna Gritas right. was there on site and uh, she was definitely working with Pro athletes like Ted King or uh, Keel Ryan and from Trek Siegfrieda, down to you know um, ambassadors who um, are not really there to try and win the race, but are there to 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 finish the the race or the ride would be they would call it a ride, and um, and you know just have a have a great experience. So uh, yeah, it all it all uh, fits in, and we have a great. Um, marketing team at SRAM where where we, we we sort of mesh together pretty well on that stuff. So Jason, you've been you've been racing with a, a lot of uh, superstars, and now you're still around a lot of them. Uh, are there any role models for you, like like uh, riders or people in the uh, that, that you look up to and that that inspire you? Or oh, for sure. I mean, uh, you know, I, I mentioned um, uh, Wout. You know, it's super cool to see what he's gone on to to do now Fabian Cancellara is another one that um you know he was such a uh, iconic figure like like I said before and he's uh you know he's still on it's great that he's he's still riding SRAM today or he's back on SRAM today and um and um you know it was great to you know catch up with him at Tour Down Under next last year it was uh it was it was super cool that those relationships you build up in the in the time as uh, of of when the the guys are racing or you're racing, that those uh, relationships continue the same, uh, you know, with um, Tom Boonen or, or somebody like that. They're they're still uh, they're still um, 
up for a chat when you're when you're at the races and um and uh i'm sure that's going you know for sure with jan Frodeno and the the superstars of today that's going to be the same yeah so we, you know we've all gone through uh, through hard times with corona and the pandemic uh, pandemic what uh you know looking at the at the positive side with What are your learnings or, you know, the learnings you as a team or SRAM take out of this, you know, that you guys going to continue to take on? You know? Well, I think, um, of course, when it, when it started, it was, it was like, uh, it was a big shock to everybody. And, um, you know, when, 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 when bike racing stopped and pretty much economies stopped, um, for those first few months, it was, right. um, you know, nobody really had an idea of what the future was going to look like. Um, and, Then, you know, in the end, great, the great things started to happen. People were out riding bikes and, um, the, the, the teams, the UCI and the, the race organizers worked out how they could, how they could uh, organize bike races again. And it was, uh, pretty amazing that, um, you could see the stakes were so high that every single bike race that was on was like spectacular racing and, you know, Uh, you know just super cool to see and uh and i think it's really continued like continued like that until now where where um you know you're getting these um coincidingly with these uh guys like van der Poel and wout van Aert and pogacar they're you know they these spectacular guys have come to the come to the fore and um and the, the sport's just uh going from strength to strength i think and then even you know um Guys like Mark Cavendish coming back and winning winning stages in the in the Tour de France again after five years. That's uh, you know we're seeing a lot of amazing um, uh, amazing things at the moment. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of uh, excitement. Yeah, what we learned is uh, we 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 were always pretty good at planning way out ahead, and uh, during the pandemic, we we uh, in the first. You know, last year, I think we changed our plans. We were changing our long-term plans every week. And then at one point it was like, okay, we will uh, decide if we're going to be at this event the week before it's going to happen or uh, because uh, we, you literally did not know if it was going to be happening until, uh, until a week before. So uh, we got like more flexible, more flexible, more agile. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. What's next after the tour? What's your next? adventure um for me um we're sort of um you know normally it, the next sort of big events that we we look looked forward to would be the the vuelta in spain the olympic games of course which is which is already next week uh, and the world championships um they're sort of the the next big ones coming up and and kona um like i said with 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 planning we're still we're still staying very flexible the the plan is to go to to those events for sure um it's that they're they're super important events for our teams and athletes so uh and our partners in those teams so uh it's super important for us to support at them so hopefully that's the way it goes well jason thank you so much for this uh incredible talk enjoyed it very much uh, reconnecting with you and listening to these great stories And uh, especially during the Tour de France, I wish you and your team uh, all the best. And and, uh, and as always, good luck at the races, right? Thank you. Thanks, Dirk. Thanks again for uh, having me. It was, uh, was a great chat and uh, it was good to uh, catch up on some old times for sure. Take care. Bye. Thank you. You too.